This is Warrior's Way, episode 27, and I'm James Eek. The term ignorance means the absence of enlightenment, which is to say, delusion. Abiding place means the place where the mind stops. In the practice of Buddhism, there are said to be 52 stages, and within these 52, the place where the mind stops at one thing is called the abiding place. Abiding signifies stopping, and stopping means the mind is being detained by some matter, which may be any matter at all. To speak in terms of your own martial art, when you first notice a sword that is moving to strike you, if you think of meeting that sword just as it is, your mind will stop at the sword in just that position. Your movements will be undone. You'll be cut down by your opponent. This is what stopping means. Although you see the sword that strikes you, if your mind is not detained by it and you meet the rhythm of the advancing sword, if you do not think of striking your opponent and no thoughts or judgments remain, if the instant you see the swinging sword, your mind is not the least bit detained and you move straight in and wrench the sword away from him, the sword that was going to cut you down will become your own and contrarily will be the sword that cuts down your opponent. In Zen, this is called grabbing the spear and, contrawise, piercing the man who had come to pierce you. The spear is a weapon. The heart of this is that the sword you wrest from your adversary becomes the sword that cuts him down. This is what you, in your style, called no sword. Whether by the strike of the enemy or your own thrust, whether by the man who strikes or the sword that strikes, whether by position or rhythm, if your mind is diverted in any way, your actions will falter. And this can mean that you will be cut down. If you place yourself before your opponent, your mind will be taken by him. You should not place your mind within yourself. Brace the mind in the body is something done only at the inception of training when one is a beginner. The mind can be taken by the sword. If you put your mind in the rhythm of the contest, your mind will be taken by that as well. If you place your mind in your sword, your mind can be taken by your sword. If your mind stopping, sorry, your mind stopping at any of these places, you become an empty shell. You surely recall such situations yourself. They can be said to apply to Buddhism. In Buddhism, we call this stopping of the mind delusion. Thus, we say the affliction of abiding in ignorance. Immovable means unmoving. Wisdom means the wisdom of intelligence. Although wisdom is called immovable, this does not signify any sentient thing like wood or stone. It moves as the mind is wont to move, forward and back, to left, right, in the ten directions and the eight points, and the mind does not stop at all. This is called immovable wisdom. Fudo Mio grasps a sword in his right hand and holds a rope in his left hand. He bares his teeth and eyes flash with anger. His form stands firmly ready to defeat the evil spirits that would obstruct the Buddhist law. This is not hidden in any country anywhere. His form is made in the shape of a protector of Buddhism, while his embodiment is that of of immovable wisdom. This is what is shown to living things. 
Seeing this form, the ordinary man becomes afraid and has no thoughts of becoming an enemy of Buddhism. The man who is close to enlightenment understands that this manifests immovable wisdom and clears away delusion. For the man who can make his immovable wisdom apparent and who is physically and is able to physically practice this mental dharma as well as fudo mio the evil spirits will no longer proliferate this is the purpose of fudo mio's tidings what is called fudo mio is said to be one's unmoving mind and an unvacillating body unvacillating means not to be detained by anything. Glancing at something and not stopping the mind is called immovable. This is because when the mind stops at something, at the breast is filled with various judgments. There are various movements within it. When its movement cease, the stopping mind moves, but does not move at all. If 10 men, each with a sword, come at you with swords slashing, if you parry each sword without stopping the mind at each action and go from one to the next, you'll not be lacking in a proper action for every one of the 10. Although the mind act 10 times against 10 men, if it does not halt at even one of them and you react to one another, will proper action be lacking? But if the mind stops before one of these men, though you parry his striking sword, when the next man comes, the right action will have slipped away. Considering that the 10,000 armed cannon has 1,000 arms on one body, if the mind at one holding a bow and the other 999 will be useless, it's because the mind is not detained at one place that all arms are useful. As for canon, to what purpose would it, would it have a thousand arms attached to one body? This form is made with the intent of pointing out to men that if their immovable wisdom is let go, even if a body have a thousand arms, every one will be of use. When facing a single tree, if you look at one single of its red leaves, you will not see all the others. When the eye is not set on one leaf and you face the tree with nothing at all in mind, any number of leaves are visible to the eye without limit. But if a single leaf holds the eye, it will be as if the remaining leaves were not there. One who's understood this is no different from the canon with thousand arms and a thousand eyes. The ordinary man believes that it is blessed because of the thousand arms and its thousand eyes. The man of half-baked wisdom wondering how anybody could have a thousand eyes calls it a lie and gives in to slander. But if now one understands a little better, he will have a respectful belief based on principle and will not need the simple faith of the ordinary man or the slander of the other. And he will understand that Buddhism, with this one thing, manifests its principle well. All religions are like this. I've seen this in Shinto especially is like this. The ordinary man thinks only on the surface. The man who attacks Buddhism is even worse. This religion, that religion, there are various kinds, but at their deepest points, they are all settled in one conclusion. At any rate, when one practices discipline and moves from the beginner's territory to immovable wisdom, he makes a return and falls back to the level of the beginning, the abiding place.
And there's a reason for this. Again, we can speak with reference to your own martial art. As a beginner knows nothing about either his body posture or the positioning of his sword, neither does his mind stop anywhere within him. If a man strikes at him with his sword, he simply meets the attack without anything in mind. As he studies various things and is taught the diverse ways of how to take a stance, the manner of grasping his sword and where to put his mind, his mind stops in many places. Now, if he wants to strike at an opponent, he is extraordinarily discomforted. Later, as days pass and time piles up in accordance with his practice, neither the postures of his body nor the ways of his grasping sword are weighed in his mind. His mind simply becomes as it was in the beginning, when he knew nothing, and yet he had to be taught anything at all. In this, one sees the sense of the beginning being the same as the end. As one counts from one to ten, and the first and the last numbers become adjacent. In other things, musical pitch, for example, where one moves from the beginning lowest pitch to the highest pitch, the lowest and highest become adjacent. We say that the highest and the lowest become to resemble each other. Buddhism, when you reach its very depths, is like the man who knows nothing of either the Buddha or Buddhist law. It has neither adornment nor anything else. Nothing else that would draw men's attention to it. The ignorance and afflictions of the beginning, abiding place, and the immovable wisdom that comes later become one. The function of the intellect disappears, and one ends in a state of no mind, no thought. If one reaches the deepest point, arms, legs, and body remember what to do. But the mind does not enter into this at all. Everything is like this. To make a scarecrow for the mountain fields, one fashions a human figure and puts in its hands a bow and arrow. The birds and beasts see this and flee. Although the figure has absolutely no mind, if the deer becomes frightened and run away insofar as it has fulfilled its function, it has not been created in vain. This is an example of the behavior of the people who have reached the depth of any way. While hands and feet and body may move, the mind does not stop any place at all, and one does not know where it is. Being in a, in a state of no thought, no mind, one has come to the level of the scarecrow of the mountain fields. Of the common man who has not found this path, we can say that from the very beginning, he has had no wisdom and will never come forth, whatever the circumstances. The wisdom that is highest of all, being in the most remote of all places, will absolutely not come forth. Finally, the half-baked know-it-all lets his wisdom come right off the top of his head, and this is ridiculous. The decorum of priests today can surely be thought of in such a light. This is a matter of shame. There is such a thing as training in principle, and such a thing as training in technique. Principle, as I have already explained above, when you arrive at nothing, when you arrive, nothing is noticed. It's simply as though you have discarded all concentration. I've written at length about this above. If you do not train in technique, but only fill your breast with principle, your body, your hands will not function. 
Training and technique will put into terms of your own martial arts is in the training that I have practiced over and over again makes the five body postures into one. Even though you know principle, you must make yourself perfectly free in the use of technique. And even though you may wield the sword that you carry with you well, if you are unclear on the deepest aspects of principle, you will likely fall short of proficiency. Technique and principle are just like the two wheels of a cart. There is such a thing as an interval into which not even a hair can be put. We can speak about this in terms of our own martial art. Interval is when two things come one upon another and not even a hair's, hair's breadth can be slipped in between them. When you clap your hands and at just at that instant let out a yell, the interval between clapping your hands and letting out a yell will not allow the entrance of a hair's breadth. This is not a matter of clapping your hands, thinking about yelling and not doing so, which would result in there being an interval in between. You clap your hands and just at that instant let out a sound. In the same way, if the mind stops with the sword with which a man is going to strike you, there will be an interval and your own action will be lost. But if in the interval between your opponent's striking sword and your own action, you cannot introduce even the breadth of a hair, your opponent's sword should become your own. In Zen discussions, we have the same thing. In Buddhism, we abhor the stopping and the mind remaining in one thing or another. We call this stopping affliction. It is like a ball riding a swift moving current. We respect the mind that flows on like this and does not stop for an instant in any place. There's no, there is such a thing as the action of spark and stone. This is the same as the foregoing. No sooner have you struck the stone than a light appears. Since the light appears just as you strike the stone, there is neither interval nor intersistence. This also signifies the absence of the interval that would stop the mind. It would be a mistake to understand this simply as celerity. Rather, it underscores the point that the mind should not be detained by things. It says that even with speed, it is essential that the mind does not stop. When the mind stops, it will be grasped by the thing that it is viewing. So I'm going to stop there, actually, because this just goes on with more awesomeness that I could just keep reading on and on and about. But I think I'll stop there um, because there's some key points that we should talk about. First of all, I should mention that this is from an absolutely amazing book that I first read as a child called The Unfettered Mind. It's the writings of the Zen master to the sword master by a monk by the name of Taquan Soho. And Soho lived from 1573 to 1645 in Japan, obviously, and was, among other things, a poet, a tea master, an author, and he was pivotal in Zen Buddhism in his time, and, to be honest, still. Soho was looking at interjecting the concept, concepts of Zen into every inch of life. He didn't like it just in the temple. And what we just read 
was a letter that he sent to a swordmaster who taught two, generation, two, two generations of shogun. Now, let's face it, if it's good for a shogun <laughs> and it's good for a swordmaster, the advice is good for us too. At the start of this, we, there are two words of key importance that we should talk about, ignorance and delusion. Um, we're all ignorant and we're all deluded. I know you might be thinking, well, I'm not. <laughs> but realizing this is the start of understanding, it's the key to development. When we start to train and observe our mind and notice when it stops, as Soho describes it, which he says is the launch place for delusion, we can start to see what it is we're allowing ourselves to become deluded about. Usually we're simply deluded about ourselves. Let's face it. We believe our thoughts and the things about our thoughts and the thing about all of the things about the things about our thoughts is that they are all clouded with baggage and with junk. We see ourselves as too old, too young, too poor, too busy, too tired, too weak, too everything. Or it, is, it could be the opposite. We simply believe that we are better. We think we deserve everything. We are like a little kid having a birthday party who wants all the presents, but um, isn't happy with any of them and gorges themselves on cake, not wanting anyone else to have any, and then stomping their feet when the party's done. <laughs> it's all delusion. It's all ignorance. You see it all the time in the martial arts. Sometimes it manifests in a person who gives up in the middle of the workout. Sometimes it shows its head in sparring when the person acts like an aggressive spaz who just has to win. Sometimes it's anger, overconfidence, know-it-alls. What it needs to be, though, to really get the work done that's required is no ego. Turning off that thing that believes the lies that you tell it, that we all tell it. Soho is telling the swordmaster here to learn not to make judgments, to not let the mind stop, to flow, to relax, to be in the moment without letting the insanity going on between your ears to get involved any more than necessary. Pretty easy, right? <laughs> uh, not. But how do we get there? So the easiest thing to do is what I teach my kids' classes, and that it's very simple, is to be a good friend. When you train with someone else, be the best kind of partner. Don't try to force yourself on them. Don't try to make them into your plaything. Instead, help them, and what you'll find is that they help you in return. Don't get caught up in the need to tap people out or to be some kind of champ when you're training. You need to learn to let go and just train in a kind of harmonious way with your partner. And that's a good step in the right direction to letting your ego go. You want to work hard, though, but you don't want to do it at the expense of your partner. You work hard with your partner for mutual benefit. And this links in nicely with what he mentions about principle and technique. In terms of Zen training, as especially the way Soho sees it, you want to integrate all the concepts, the principles of Zen, into everything you do. So when you sweep the floor, it's with Zen mindfulness. If you're swinging a sword, it's the same thing. 
In the martial arts, we tend to be technique geeks. We go crazy to find the coolest shiny things and we drill it and like to video what we do and post it to social media and send it to all of our friends or else find those videos and send them to all of our friends. Um, and we simply do it for show, like we're doing demonstrations that I'm sure we've all seen with martial arts doing all sort of flashy things. We try to dazzle. But the thing to keep in mind is that all techniques alone, without an understanding of the concept, it's like practicing a form and having no clue what it means in practical terms. You're just doing movements without understanding the, the root of it. In our martial arts, we need to be constantly asking ourselves if we are, what we are doing is useful. As Soho says, technique and principle are two wheels of the cart and both have to work together or else you're just going to be going around in circles. So some things to think about. Um, now I'm not saying don't learn techniques and don't learn principles, but learn to fuse the two of them together. Learn that basics are what you need and that there are no really advanced techniques. There's only advanced thinking. So question of the week. We've been on a, a meditation kick lately with these questions, but this is a good one. Um, and it's pretty simple and straightforward. And it's how can I start meditating? Well, um, what I'd suggest, because I don't know necessarily where everybody lives, is find some instruction. Um, because there's a lot of good teachers out there because they can show you how to do it. And a teacher at the beginning is, is something that you want. But if there's no teacher around you, a good way is to start with counting breaths. So when you inhale, count one, exhale, count one. Inhale, count two, exhale, count two. And sit in a posture that you can sit for a while. The next thing to think about is you want to make it a daily thing. Set time aside that you're going to be able to do and stick with it no matter what. You don't feel well, guess what? Meditate. You're having a bad day, guess what? Meditate. It has to be something that you, you do. There's a lot of apps out there these days that might be able to help you out too. I personally don't use them, but I've also been um, practicing meditation for a good few decades now. So I, I find the apps are, are good and they're interesting, but they're more intended for beginners. Um, now, and I think the key thing, though, out of all of this is to keep in mind that you don't want to make a big deal out of it. You want to be disciplined with it and you want to make sure that it becomes something you do every day and it's a key part of your day, but don't judge it. There's no such thing as good meditation or bad meditation. It's just meditation. Um, it might be easy one day and it might be hard another. And just keep with it. So there you go. That's my advice. Take it or leave it. <laughs> um, and I think we'll call it quits right there. Okay. So um, pick up a copy of this book. It is... A bit heavy, but then again, I read it when I was a kid, so <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that if you listen to this, you can get your way through it, and it has a lot of principles in it that are applicable to your life, whether you do martial arts or not. It's more about the mind 
And I know they make mention of Buddhism in there, but you know what? Like I've said before, don't worry about words. Worry about the meaning under them. If you are of a different religion, awesome. The truth is, is Buddhism isn't a religion. It's it's, uh, more of a a way of living your life. Um, There's no God involved. Um, You could be a Jew and be a Buddhist. You could be a Muslim and be a Buddhist. You could be a Christian and be a Buddhist. It, It really doesn't matter. Anyways, um, if you're liking this, let your friends know about it. Um, help word get out about the Warrior's Way podcast. Um, look for us on Facebook. Um, I'm being slow about it, but there's a website that we're working on to get uh, more information out to you as well. Uh, if you like this kind of stuff, pick up a copy of my book, and let, that would really help me out. Um, and it also, I keep an eye on these things and, you know, um, it lets me know that people are, are listening. Um, so, yeah, spread the word about the podcast. Um, get on Amazon and uh, take a look at the books that I've got there. I have a couple that are right along these lines. The first, of course, is what the podcast is named after, Warrior's Way. And the most recent one is called A Wolf in the Woods. Uh, and they're both about training. And I think that you will like them. Um, And if you do like these podcasts, please leave me a review. That would mean the world to me, Um, especially if you've been a constant listener. Um, It it lets me know that uh, all of these words are getting out there and they're of use. Because you can imagine... This is a whole lot of me talking to me. (laughs) But hopefully I'm talking to you. So get out there. Get on your mats. Train. Have fun. Be creative. And be a good friend. Take care.